Welcome to DoD Secure, and I'm your host, Jeff Bennett. Today we're going to talk about facility security clearances and personnel security clearances. Still getting a lot of questions about them, so I thought it might be a good topic to speak about today. Well, I'm going back over security clearances again. So today's podcast will talk about getting started as a defense contractor that has a facility clearance, or in other words, this organization or business is under contract with the U.S. government to perform uh, classified services. That's uh, an example. That is your facility needs confidential or a secret clearance to be able to work on classified aspects of a contract. Therefore, as a result of that, key employees would have to be processed for a personnel security clearance. So some things that I found out, uh, what I didn't know that you didn't know as a general audience is There are two types of contractors, defense contractors. One is called a defense contractor, and they're registered with the U.S. government as a uh, contractor that can sign contracts with the government and perform work. These contracts provide services. um, They make things for the government, but they don't require clearance. Now, then there are also clear defense contractors. They usually start out as a defense contractor, but they have skills that the government needs to to work on classified contracts. So these will be called clear defense contractors. So some questions that I've received. Does a government customer have to appoint a facility security officer, not a customer, but does a government contractor need to perform a facility security officer to get CAC cards or common access cards or access a federal building? And the answer is no, you do not need a security clearance to do that. A defense contractor does not need a security clearance to access many government websites or buildings. Again, the security clearance is tied to a need to perform classified work. So those are just that's probably just one question I had. I have many more that are sent to me, but the the purpose of this podcast is to answer that question in a little more depth to answer what is a security clearance? How does a security clearance get started? And what are the responsibilities that we have while undergoing the security clearance investigation? I'd like to point you to a few websites DCSA.mil is the government website that oversees DOD contracts and classified um, or security clearances. BennettInstitute.com is where I have additional training. And RedBikePublishing.com is where we'll have links to our security clearance consulting services as well. So let's get on with the contract or classified contract or security clearance discussion.
All right, so now um, let's talk about clear defense facilities. As um, I was speaking of earlier, a defense contractor cannot get their own facility clearance. They have to be sponsored by either a government contracting agency or another defense contractor, clear defense contractor. And we talked about that sponsorship earlier. So now we're at the point where the uh, the uh, defense contractor, again, you have to be a defense contractor to be able to apply for or bid on um, classified contracts. One, you have to be a defense contractor, you have to have a cage code. And two, um, you have to be sponsored. So once you're sponsored and you get your clearance, um, then you can start working on classified contracts. You don't have to have the clearance to be able to bid on classified contracts. So let me get us set up back up with our slides real quick and we'll get going. I'm gonna share the screen, go to the PowerPoint and hit share. And now you guys will be able to see the screen. Here we go. And, and so, you know, we, we see the relationship between the GCA and the CSA that's going to do the oversight uh, for, um, of the classified information. They give the guidance to the contractor as well as the classified contract. Um, so now we're going to have some key personnel as a result of the facility clearance. And one is going to be the facility security officer. Then now we need the key management personnel. And these people, just like the uh, facility security officer, should be cleared to the same level um, as the facility once the facility gets their clearance granted. And um, they, they have to be U.S. citizens. So U.S. citizenship and, and security clearance go hand in hand anyway but they need to be at at the same clearance level as as that of the facility and um <clears throat> here are the people that should be key management personnel or should be cleared u.s citizens all these positions should be u.s citizens have a, a security clearance at the level of the facility and then um that the they are the senior management official of the company the facility security officer, the insider threat um, security officer, and whoever the CSA may designate if there aren't enough people or for whatever reason the CSA may designate another person to be a key management personnel. And these are the people who have influence on the company and the protection of classified information and ensure, by the way, that the company is not... Um, be able to be committed by somebody who who does not have influence over the classified information and this goes hand in hand with something that we're going to talk about later which is foreign control owner foreign ownership control or influence now um, there are some exclusions to who can be a kmp and we should uh, if they're a senior official and they need to be excluded from having a clearance we need to have their name um, and whether or not they impact classified work. For example, you may to exclude a, a non-U.S. citizen. They may be a U.S. person that's working at the company, but they need to be excluded because even though they're a senior management person, they do not need a clearance. And the other issue is if they're not a U.S. person, how much influence do they have over the company or classified contracts? Um, and 
And so we need to identify those people for whatever reason, or maybe they're just a senior management person who is not eligible for a clearance. Maybe they've applied for a clearance, but they were denied, but the company wants to keep them on because they bring value to the company in other ways. At MathCraft, we believe security risks and lack of compliance are threats to a business and its people. We strive to provide our clients with the tools they need to stay compliant and prepare for the next generation of threats. Through comprehensive training, support, and customer resources, we transform our clients into security professionals with the know-how to defend their organizations and maintain comprehensive security programs. For more information or ways we can help, visit mathcraft.com or call 703-729-9022. At MathCraft, we support the mission of FSOs, CSOs, and other security professionals who stand at the front line of our nation's battle against foreign and domestic threats. With software designed to the latest federal security standards, we help them strategize, speed up self-auditing processes, create new workflows, generate reports, and receive technical information at a moment's notice. And again, if you're interested in some of the MathCraft products and services, check our show notes for a link to MathCraft. So let's talk about multi-facility organizations. We don't have to talk about it too much here, but just get the concept. Um, if an organization is it, that is cleared has m- multiple locations, they may have their own um, designation. You might have a headquarters location, and maybe these other organizations or entities belong to the same company. They could be on the same campus or spread out across the United States. Either way, they're going to be multi-facility organizations, and um, each one may have its own security clearance level but they cannot exceed the level of the um, headquarters organization Um, they can be even unclassified but they need to be carved out of in only doing the work that they have clearances for and at the clearance level that they have been determined to be so yeah so parent subsidiary this is a situation where um, a parent company another organization owns shares or stocks of another corporation um, for whatever reason we see this a lot if the stocks of the, the company of the parent if they own significant amount of stocks over their subsidiary that's called a wholly owned subsidiary organization the parent organization owns most of the stocks now these are separate entities and can be cleared separately but if they both are cleared to work on the same contracts the parent organization should be cleared to the same level or higher as the subsidiary organization and um so now sometimes um there are reasons to um terminate a facility clearance maybe if the company decides not to be an entity anymore or they lose classified contracts or uh, they no longer wish to perform classified work they just want to do commercial work they the um the facility clearance should be 
terminated. Um, the security clearance will always be in place as long as the 441 is still valid and there are classified contracts. Um, so realize that just like classified information has a shelf life, so do security clearances. So now let's talk about the um, personnel security clearance. And I'm going to um, stop the share real quick and so we can talk to one another. Now, a um, personnel security clearance is usually tied to a facility security clearance and tied to um, contractual type of work. So I've heard it many times. I've worked in as an FSO in a facility that had cleared and uncleared employees. Now, uncleared employees regularly came up to me and asked me, hey, I want a security clearance so I can perform unclassified work later. Um, you can't do that. Uh, a, just like a facility, like an organization can't put in for their own facility clearance, an individual can't put in for their own personnel security clearance. It's got to be on the basis of classified work and um, closely associated with that classified work. So there is a process to do this. And usually the process is a cleared company is hiring new employees. And so they bring in a, a new employee, maybe they don't have a clearance and they get put into um, J past FSO will put them into the system and request a security clearance. And then um, a trigger happens and the um, individual is sent to fill out the standard form 86, which is the application for national security clearance. And they go through that process and the investigation uh, begins. But nothing is triggered until the clear defense facility or the clear defense contractor facility shows the need for clearing their um, employees. Um, this is also the same that if a person decides to stand up a clear defense contractor, they get their clearance and then they need to designate themselves and other employees as cleared uh, employees. All right, I would like to tell you now, give you a special message from SIMS Software, S-I-M as in Mike S Software. As clear defense contractors, you represent the backbone of innovation, the front line of our national security and protectors of all that we hold dear. SIMS Software is proud to be your ally in these endeavors. As most trusted name in industrial security information management for over 38 years, SIM Software equips you with the tools to protect the lifeblood of your organization. Our flagship SIMS Suite provides all the features and functionality you need to run an automated paperless industrial security program. Gain a 360 degree view of every physical, virtual, and human asset inside your security domain. From classified documents and materials to cleared personnel, facilities, visitor control, information systems, and more. SIMS supports requirements within all security communities. Visit SIMS at simssoftware.com or call 858-481-9292 or see our show notes for more information. Um, personnel clearances are processed in cleared companies. There's gotta be a direct relationship or a link between the person and the facility. Um, you, um, you can argue different cases such as 
facilities holding clearances for consultants, but those are different issues and we may be talking about those later. Um, again, the personnel clearance should not be higher than the facility clearance. There may be special circumstances or cases, but, um, but um, the, the, the personnel clearance is directly linked to the facility clearance. <clears throat> now, um, the CSA, again, according to the non-disclosure agreements that are signed, will, will um, determine the eligibility of the cleared employee. So one thing you might ask, and I've been asked regularly, how much does a security clearance cost? Well, somebody's paying for it, and I estimated maybe about two, based on cost per man hour, the amount of people conducting the investigation, and the time that it takes to get a clearance, it could be upwards of $250,000. But that is not a burden on the cleared facility, that is a burden on the taxpayer. So this is all done with government funds. Um, there's a technical answer for how much it costs, but we as defense contractors don't have to worry about that cost. Um, and um, so the CSA will process and execute, execute the, the, the security clearance request, and then it goes to adjudication, and they look at those 13 adjudicative criteria, they look at mitigations, and they determine whether or not to grant the security clearance. The government will either notify of the granting of the clearance or notifying that the clearance was de denied. And then the, the defense, um, the government agency will also provide a database for the security clearances to be maintained. And we know that database as a, um, as JPASS. So a little word about um, personnel clearances. Um, again, personnel clearances are, you know, are maintained in the cleared facilities in that JPASS or some type of database provided by the government. Um, and again, uh, the FSO's job and the um, people holding the classified information, the cleared employees with that company, they're responsible for determining uh, who to, who to release that classified information to. And again, you need a few, there's a few things that are required before classified information can be released. One, they need to have a security clearance at the right level. Two, they need to sign the SF-312, and it only needs to be signed one time. And three, they need to have need, they have to have need to know, meaning they have to have a direct need to work on that information. It can be contractual or it could be a teamwork effort, but whoever's holding that classified information needs to make that determination. So the contractor maintains the records um, for multi-facility organizations. Again, that is an organization that has a headquarters in several different buildings located either in one area or throughout the United States. They'll have a central database that is maintained. Um, one of the fun things to do is to limit um, requests, the amount of requests for security clearances. Um, there's got to be a reason for it. Um, I went to a company once as an FSO, and um, I took over from somebody else who wanted to pursue an, another career. And when I got there, um, I had my first audit. And at that time, DSS notified, uh, we had a discussion that they believed that there were um, too many security clearances issued and asked me to take a look at it. So I did an assessment and realized, yes, there are a lot of security clearances issued that did not have a direct a relationship with a contract. Um, there were just a lot of overhead people who 
who had clearances that did not need to access it. So what I did was I started um, a policy that said the first line, it was a small company, the first line vice president in, a, in, in an employee's line was the only one that could approve a request for a security clearance. And I, and I made a form letter talking about um, uh, who needs access to the security clearance. They would fill out their name and put the reason and relate that with a contract. And then that would be signed by the first level vice president. Then I trained the company on how this would be used. And so we use this process to reevaluate the security clearances. And so basically I did not say Jeff Bennett, the FSO was making this determination. I was saying it was a legitimate business determination made by the leadership of the company. And so there we were able to neck down our, the amount of requests for security clearances. And, and we had a, a mature process in place to make sure only the people who needed them actually got their security clearance. Um, now, I mentioned earlier, the security clearance does not cost you one penny. You do not do any investigations um, or make security clearance determinations. Uh, I got a quick story for you, but I need to take care of something real quick. Um, I'm going to share this screen again. Um, I actually need to stop the recording. All right. I actually have a story. You know, we are not to do our own investigations. That's, that's the government's job. And here's the story. Um, I, I received a phone call once that um, another FSO was calling me and said, hey, what is the, I got to backtrack this slide real quick. Yeah, so what are the requirements for requesting security clearance? And they gave me an example of somebody that, that their company just hired that was born overseas in a questionable country. And they said, um, how do I prevent them from getting a security clearance? And I remind them, that's not your job. Your job is to initiate the security clearance. You don't make a determination of whether or not anybody is eligible. And so they didn't know that, but by me telling them that, they were satisfied with that answer and I helped them out a lot. So take yourself out of that cycle. You do not get to determine who gets a clearance or who gets to maintain a clearance. You, your job is to protect classified information and reduce risk to it. So that's why we have the reporting process where you can report your concerns. And that's why we have the investigative process so that the investigators can look into this situation. So um, keep your roles separate, know, what, know your role, right? You've heard that statement before. Um, so the federal government conducts the investigation and you know this is just a wrap up. The employee fills out the SF-86 as completely and thoroughly as possible. Your role as the FSO is to review that SF-86 only to make sure it's filled out completely and accurately. You can ask questions. Um, but again, you can't make determinations of whether or not to submit it. Uh, once you approve or ensure that everything looks copacetic on this SF-86, then it goes into the investigation system. Um, the investigators will ask questions based on that SF-86 and, and ask questions, take notes, do their investigation, then submit it to the adjudicative authority who takes a look at it based on the whole person concept. For example, somebody has a um, drinking driving incident, 
Um, they'll look at the whole person and say, oh, no, this incident happened 10 years ago. It's never happened again. This, is, this seems like a reliable person. So they grant the security clearance. And um, the investigation will hold for the next five years if it's secret or confid uh, if it's secret, confidential is a different time period. And um, so it will be investigated based on the scope of it. If it's just a confidential clearance, it gets a different investigation than a secret clearance, which gets a different investigation than the top secret clearance. So, you, you know, you get the picture here. Now I'd like to tell you about our other sponsor, sponsored mission-driven research. They're there to glorify God by empowering employees to fill their mission. Their vision statement is that every employee finding fulfillment and joy by actively engaging in the mission. Their core values are to go the extra mile for their customers, grow our employees personally and professionally, and give generously to our community. In their website, they describe themselves as a growing company providing technical services to the U.S. federal government. If you'd like to know more about mission-driven research, find them at missiondrivenresearch.com. And also, in our show notes, I'll include a link to their website and how to contact them. So that's the personnel security clearance. Um, during this five years... They're under the continuous evaluation process so that when the next investigation comes up, anything annotated that um, was not part of the earlier investigation will be, re will be looked at for the first time. Old information will be re-looked at. And um, so if there's any additional risk to classified information by this employee, it will be captured and addressed appropriately. So let's talk about six awesome ways to um, get a clearance denied or lengthen the time it takes to get a security clearance. All right, fingerprint cards you guys have heard about, it's been harped on. Um, that's not an employee's problem, that's an FSO problem. So let's get those fingerprints read right. I think we're, it's a lot easier than it used to be. I used to have to take, anybody have to do ink fingerprints? Yeah, those are the hardest. I was terrible at it, now it's all potentially automated. Um, I haven't done it in a while, but it should be easier. Um, missing information on release forms. The investigation cannot continue if the lease, release forms for um, medical records, credit records, police records are not filled out appropriately. If they're not filled out and there's doubt to it, the investigation can't pursue. There is a roadblock there that cannot be overcome until the employee makes that correction. Wrong place of birth identification, false date of birth, missing residences, wrong social security number. They, you get the point here. Any information that is missing or not easy to understand or misconstrued will delay the process. So our job as FSOs is to make that clear to the employee. If the employee has any doubt of what to put, we need to help clarify that. Um, so here's the investigations that, that, that we can get. Once that, um, once that uh, security clearance determination is need, the um, government will determine what kind of investigation needs to be conducted based on what the FSO puts into the database. So <clears throat> the um, single scope background information is a really thorough in investigation that's conducted. 
Um, and it covers top secret Q for nuclear stuff or Department of Energy stuff and SCI access for the director of the CIA. So now you see why each of these um, government entities has input to the, uh, uh, to the program protection. I mean, I'm sorry, the uh, NISPOM. The National Agency Check or the NACLAC, you can read it there, is, is for secret, L, and confidential. Again, well, these are mostly Department of Defense issues with a little bit of Department of Energy sprinkled in there. So some personal security clearances may be require polygraph, but they're not your standard security clearance. Um, and uh, people will be subject to reinvestigation by the CSA. Only thing I can think of that can trigger reinvestigation is a time period, but there may be situations that you may know about, and I'd like to hear about it again at editor at redbikepublishing.com. If you know of any incidences where um, um, malicious behavior uh, caused or any other incident caused a reinvestigation before the period of time was over. Um, so financial disclosure forms are part of it. The contractor shall ensure that the employee has the opportunity to, to complete and submit the form in, in, in private. So these forms have a lot of personal information on them and the government will protect them in that database. All right, so how do fingerprints and everything get submitted to the government? We're gonna take a look at that. So I've already talked about this part that the SF-86 is to com be completed by the em employee desiring to get the security clearance. But there will be a lot of people that will have access to that information on SF-86. Primarily the um, FSO will be helping the, SF the employee with the form and they can make sure again that it's completed accurately and correctly, um, but the FSO must protect that information. They can't talk about what they've learned on the um, SF-86. It's gotta be held in confidence and private. Um, you know, it just reminds me of a situation when I was an FSO and, and I just did the training for um, security training in that people need to self-report. Um, I used to get employees in my office all the time wanting to share personal and medical information with me. And I have to remind them constantly that um, not they, a lot of this information they did not share. And so I had to remind them that this was um, information not necessary for the clearance, but I also had to protect that information. And so we want to protect the, the um, sensitive information our cleared employees give us and we don't want to release them release them because we'll be violating all kind of directives and laws so again we only want to help them and facilitate getting their complete and accurate information on the sf-86 and the fso is also responsible for submitting his fingerprints and the signature forms required for medical and all other releases but other people will be looking at the sf-86 the investigators will look at it um, the administrative personnel at the government agencies will be looking at them and some of the information will go into public record. So it's not, SF-86 information is not for public record. What's private will be private, but some information will be in there such as statistics. Um, so it will be protected as Privacy Act information all the way through but just know that a lot of people will have access to it. And your role as an FSO 
is to protect that information and assist the, the employee with getting it filled out. Well, that's our podcast for today. And just note that this podcast was based on some NISPOM fundamentals training that I provide at Bennett Institute. And I'll put a link to that in our show notes. Additionally, if uh, you are looking for immediate help with uh, facility security clearances, becoming a defense contractor, or developing a security program to protect classified information, please contact me. Uh, and we have set up a consulting practice. And you can find that consulting practice at redbikepublishing.com. And again, I'll put a link to that on our show notes. We're really glad you came. We hope that you will also click on our show notes to find out where the YouTube video of this podcast resides. And it comes complete with some uh, PowerPoint presentation information that you need to get started with your security clearance and gives you the information that you need to have confidence in knowing what you should be doing. Until next time, we'll see you at DoD Secure.